Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. to another edition of the five reasons podcast my name is chris whittingham here as always with ethan skolnick please do find the podcast on our new website five reasonsports.com where you can find our show page and you can find all of the other podcasts in our network and also plenty of great content covering all the latest news in south florida sports and also some great opinions both on sports and other subjects five reasons FiveReasonSports.com is where you check that out. But uh, as we now enter what is really, um, I would say, probably now the most important, it, it sort of always has been, but we didn't know if a playoff game might lessen the importance of it. It is uh, the day of Dwayne Wade's final game in the NBA regular season, and uh, we wanted to discuss it. And for me, the overriding emotions of this are really starting to hit home now because we have now seen Dwayne Wade uh, play in – all these games that have importance, right, towards trying to get into the postseason, towards trying to achieve a goal for the team. And now that it really is about Dwayne Wade, uh, you've seen in the last couple of home games, in my opinion, this turn towards the uh, this emotion and towards everything that this season was supposed to represent in a way that I don't think it really has come to a fore um, until now. So uh, I guess I, I'm going to ask you to perhaps bite off more than you can chew here, Ethan, and just sort of saying... What is your overriding feeling, emotion, thought? We've had a long time to process this. You've written a lot about this, uh, whether it's for MiamiHeatBeat.com or for 5 But now that it's coming towards the end here, what, what are you feeling? What are you thinking uh, going into this final day? And what do you think it's going to be? Well, I, I think it feels right, you know, that he's here. And, you know, we, we forget that that almost didn't happen and that he could have finished his career in Chicago, he could have finished it in Cleveland. He could have gone to Los Angeles with, with LeBron. And there are very few players that get to finish where they should finish. Patrick Ewing did not finish where he should finish. You know, um, you know, Allen Iverson sort of did. He came back to Philadelphia, but there were some stops in between and some ugliness uh, that, that Dwayne didn't encounter to quite that degree. Just It's just not typical that a player can come back from somewhere else or stay his entire career in one place and end up being effective at the end of his career where people don't want him to leave, not just because they're going to miss him personally, but because he's still an effective basketball player. And he's been an effective basketball player in April. Their on off numbers when it comes to Dwayne Wade are ridiculous. I mean, they've been pathetic with him off the floor. And so he's been an important player for them this season. He's gotten stronger in some ways as the year has gone on. And so he's given heat fans, the glimpse that they wanted. Is he 2008, 2009, Dwayne? Is he 2006 finals, Dwayne? 
No. Okay. That, that player is long gone. That player was gone by the time we got halfway through the big three, but as a player, he's given them enough this year to make them realize why they fell in love. And it's not just because of the acrobatic highlights and all that, but it was because of the intelligence when it came to the game, the way that he involved teammates, the way that he competes. Now, does he compete defensively in every possession? No. Okay. But the way that he competes generally that, you know, he's out there to try to win a game and he's there to try to win a game for his team, for his town and all the rest of that. And so I think in that sense, although this is a disappointing season and we're not going to really cover that on this particular podcast because we've done enough of that, uh, he has not been the disappointment and he could have been, he could have been, we didn't know he didn't work as much this off season. He has in previous off seasons because he didn't know he was coming back. And so he could have come back as virtually anything, right? He could have come back as a player who couldn't play back to backs as a player who was broken down, who'd miss weeks at a time, who was not effective on the court, who was shooting under 40%. And that's not what happened. Instead, he put up a very, very representative season. In fact, if you look at it from a per 36 basis, he's right there with a lot of his statistics from the past four or five years. Even if you go back to the 15-16 season when he was still in some ways the most important player on the team. And so I think from a basketball perspective, it's been great. I want to cover some of the sort of community aspects of this. But from a basketball perspective, for him to go out like this, not the way that Kobe went out. I know everybody remembers the last game, but everybody forgets then the last three, four seasons has been, I think, really revelatory and and really positive. And Dan Marino couldn't do this. You know, Dan Marino couldn't do this. You know, he had a 1999 season. He thought he was going to keep playing. He didn't announce his retirement. He loses 62 to seven. He almost goes to Minnesota, calls it off at the last second. They had a press conference scheduled. I just think it's great that although Dan played his whole career here and Dwayne did not, I think Dwayne has had the better ending just by the nature of the fact that he ended on his terms. And so few guys get to do that. Yeah, and, and the Marino thing, uh, for me, is fascinating on the overarching level. And maybe we'll have to do uh, one day the comparing Marino to Wade thing, which now uh, is going to almost start to feel like a Marino-Montana hacky you know, sports radio debate. But I, I haven't really thought about it in earnest in terms of comparing to the, the two. Obviously, the championships would feel like the overway, but in terms of community significance and, and all of that. But, uh, Ethan, you've covered, and, and this is one of the things that, that you've talked a lot about, but I, I kind of want you, I, I want to get you to sort of a place where you can really look at look back at the whole duration of his tenure here and sort of view it through the prism of you've covered it from start to finish and it has been you know one of the few player careers that have been you know sort of of this significance that you feel like you've gotten to see the whole duration of it beginning to end so can you sort of take the listeners on the journey of what Dwayne Wade was like as a human being and as a player in 2003 and compare and contrast it to what he is as a player and a human being in 2019 and every, st- not every step, but the significant steps along the way for you? Yeah, I mean, he's a completely different person. And and look, this is uh, the third major athlete that I've kind of covered from beginning to end because I started covering the Dolphins in 96, about halfway through, and that was Zach Thomas's rookie year. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. Jason Taylor, my first column in 1997 on the Dolphins when I started covering them full time as a beat writer was about Jason Taylor, the rookie from Akron. So I covered him from beginning to end with the exception of the time that he left to, to the Jets and to the Redskins, which again is something that people down here don't like to think about in the same way they don't like to think about the Bulls and the Cavaliers. And But Dwayne, you know, Dwayne is different in the respect that, you know, both of those guys were tremendous, but Dwayne was an international superstar. I never covered one of those until LeBron came and I didn't cover LeBron from the very beginning. And look, I was there for the very beginning. You go to, 
uh, you know, summer league. And I went up to cover Dwayne's summer league in 2003. They also happened to have a guy named Udonis Haslam on that team. And they were playing at this little practice gym and everybody was there to see LeBron and Dwayne got to play in the big building, which is the old Orlando arena once from what I remember against LeBron. I remember writing a column about it, but everybody was there to see LeBron, not Dwayne. Dwayne was a nice story, but he wasn't LeBron. LeBron was supposed to be the icon. And then to see it grow from there, where in the 2003 season, you had Carmelo Anthony, who was really there paired with LeBron. And now you look at the careers and Dwayne's career ended up being better than Carmelo's career. I don't think a lot of people would have projected that. And the fact that Dwayne then got to play with a number four pick in that draft, Chris Bosh also later in his career. But you know, as a player, you could see it happening. You know, the 2003-2004 season, the playoffs, one of my favorite pictures is I happen to be in it wearing dorky glasses on the baseline, but watching <laughs> Dwayne uh, making a runner in the lane and, you know, against against New Orleans in game one, his announcement, Tony Fiorentino's call on that one. Uh, everybody remembers that. The big shots he hit during that series, but then also in the Indiana series against a better team, a team that had, you know, all-star talent, Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, the dunk over O'Neal, taking them to six games. The controversy with Stan Van Gundy not having Dwayne on the floor at the end of that game, which Stan has held to all these years, um, you know, where, where Dwayne was not out there. He put Ray for Alston out there because he needed the three. So one of the great clutch players of all time. Stan's called him the greatest clutch player uh, of his era and yet not out there at the end of that one. And then what you knew was going to be the transformation. You saw enough. The column I wrote, you know, after that game was, yes, they lost this series, but they found a superstar. And then the next year, that offseason, Shaquille O'Neal wanting to play with him, coming to play with Dwayne and seeing that transformation. And from a personal standpoint, him going from the quiet kid who I remember even in the first year with Shaq when he made the all-star team, walking out of the locker room with my buddy Chris Perkins, after the two of us had spent some time alone with Dwayne because nobody was around him in the locker room in Denver. Everybody was around LeBron and Carmelo and getting a chance to talk to him and, and saying to Chris Perkins, I don't really have anything to say to him. There wasn't a lot of depth there at that stage of his life, that stage of his career. He was in his early 20s. And then to see him develop first with Shaq, spending all that time with Shaq, learning how to sort of bend the rules a little bit. They had they played games with the media. They said they did things that they never did just to trick the media, like that they were at the gym at 4 in the morning. They weren't at the gym at 4 in the morning. <laughs> uh, they, they would say this stuff uh, during the finals and all the rest of that. But then seeing that, and then obviously the 2006 finals carrying uh, that team after really he should have won a championship or at least gotten to the finals the year before against San Antonio. Um, and, you know, with, uh, you know, and where they should have beaten Detroit if he doesn't pull the rib cage muscle in game five uh, and all of that. And so, uh, so what you saw there was Dwayne going from quiet kid to somebody who had a little bit of arrogance actually during the Shaq tenure and then kind of got beaten down somewhat after it and then asking for help, bringing in LeBron, being completely selfless in that regard, uh, sharing the stage with LeBron, sharing the podium with LeBron. I always go back to the first press conference they had. They actually had it at the Hex Center at UM, uh, if you recall. And they, you know, they set the three of them up, Bosch and LeBron and Dwayne, but they put Dwayne in the middle and they gave him the mic. And LeBron spent the entire time tapping his fingers, tapping his fingers, tapping his fingers. And Bosch looked a little uncomfortable. And it was Dwayne who made the two of them uh, feel comfortable. That's kind of the way it was for the first two or three years. And when you talk to people who were around that team, in addition, obviously, I was around it. But they said, look, LeBron was fine to deal with for the organization as long as Dwayne was involved. And, and that's kind of the role. What, that he, what is that? What is, what is that personality trait that, that, that you think 
it puts him in that place because I, I don't know if I could identify it. Well, look, I think what it was was that there's a certain calmness about him with things like it doesn't mean he liked everything. OK, I had moments with him. All right. I had I always go back to the 2012 uh, playoffs against the Pacers, which were not fun for him. They, it was never fun in Indiana. Like I, I can remember a lot of bad <laughs> circumstances. I, I get some of them conflated, but like they were. You know, look, that situation in Indiana was bad. I mean, he 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 said things to Eric Spolstra that we heard and were captured on tape that never got aired. Okay, Brian Windhorst and I were right there on that baseline. That was not a happy time. He went to go see Tom Crean. He came back. He and LeBron tore things up uh, for those last three games without Bosch, and they ended up advancing out of the second round. But I remember a conference. You know, asking Dwayne a question in the locker room that he didn't like. Like he didn't. It was it was something related to strategy. He didn't want to put Spolstra out there. But clearly he was unhappy about certain things. And he said to me afterwards, don't do that to me again. And I said, OK, you know, I said, I just, you know, <laughs> I mean, but, but it, he wasn't stern about it. But it was right. like, you know, it was like, you know, look, don't don't put me in that spot. And look, as as reporters covering athletes, you know, you try not to play favorites. Um, I will say that I had a hard time with that with Dwayne. Um, I had a hard time with that with JT. I had a hard time with that with Zach. I, I appreciate they're good or is it because they were good people? Both, both. Okay. In different ways. Okay. Um, you know, Dwayne's kind of a combination of Zach and JT in some ways, because uh, Zach and JT were polar opposites, but you know, we, when it came to, to Dwayne, it was, uh, the appreciation of him being open. Um, he wasn't always perfect in the way he presented himself to the media, particularly at first, he got better at that. I, I don't think his public speaking, he was that comfortable with it at first, uh, but he got better at it, but he was always open. Um, he could be snippy if he didn't like the question that you asked, like to a lot of others, particularly. But he also could be very warm. And so, yes, what this means to me, you know, this means something different to different people. From a basketball perspective, you know, it's obviously, you know, the second greatest basketball player has ever played for the Heat. Maybe the third, some would say, if you're going to throw Shaq and LeBron in there, not for what they accomplished here, but over the course of their careers. But I, I think that, you know, the most important by far. But I don't even look at it like that. I look at, you know, what he's meant personally to me, um, you know, covering his first summer league, covering his first game in Philadelphia against Iverson with Stan Van Gundy pulling his hair out on the way to 0-7, uh, you know, covering, you know, my first final. I'd covered other finals, but my first finals that a team that I was covering was involved in, which is a totally different experience. Um, getting him to come as part of, and I've told this before, but, getting him to come as a part of a, a package we were doing about best 25 and under players in South Florida sports uh, that, and he was one of them. So we wanted to pair him with Josh Beckett because Beckett was coming off a world series win and Dwayne was coming off that playoff against the Pacers and the Hornets. And so we brought him, he, I, I was like, do you want me to get your car service? You know, we went, we went through the heat and they was like, no, I'll drive. So he drove, he had a new Cadillac 300. He was really proud of this car. Okay. <laughs> he had a new Cadillac 300. He drove it up to the stadium where I think he was living in Pinecrest at the time. He waited around in the heat for Beckett for an hour. Beckett blew us off. We went down to the batting cage with Juan Pierre, hung out for a while. And I said to Dwayne, do you mind taking some pictures yourself? Which I have one of them here in my office. He looks 12 years old sitting, <laughs> sitting in the stands. Okay. At, uh, at the stadium, taking the pictures himself because he agreed to do it and he wasn't going to leave. And that night, this is funny. He doesn't like to be reminded of this. That night he was leaving for New York to tape an episode of The Apprentice because he was really? going to be on Donald Trump's show. He does not like to discuss that. And I asked him about that once a few years later and that did not go. 
Uh, but but yeah, I, I mean, mean, we can be fair to Dwayne Wade. I mean, that was 2004. You know, there was right. a, a lot that happened in between. Right. People didn't know at that stage, <laughs> right? Like what we were going to be dealing with. Yeah. But 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 yeah, I mean, I you know, look, I watched the show too. I hate to admit that, but I, I, I watched the show. I, 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 I like the show. Yeah, I, I don't. Again, don't admit that publicly. But yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so so he, you know, we had that, and then other circumstances. You know, through the years, I wasn't around the team quite as much 2007 through 2009. I came back 2010 full time big three. And what he did for me, I don't know that he ever went to anybody behind the scenes and did this. I probably he probably did not. But I do know the fact that I had rapport with Dwayne helped me with LeBron and with Bosch um, in terms of developing rapport with them. I, I've always felt that that helps you in a locker room. And when they see when guys see you as a reporter communicating with, uh, you know, with a particular important player. I know it helped me in the Dolphins locker room, the rapport that I had with Zach and Jason and Sertan and Madison and a couple of others that when other players came around, they would be more willing to talk to you because they're like, oh, he's talking to him. He must be okay. And, and I felt like Dwayne did that for me in a lot of ways. And so I've always, I never mentioned that to him, but I always appreciated that. And then the big three era, he was the guy that I could go to on a lot of that stuff until I got to know some of the other guys. And then I go back to 2014. I got sent up to Cleveland with for by Bleacher Report against the terms of my contract and, you know, to cover LeBron for that year. I had one day back in Miami before I had to go back and I hadn't really set up anything with Dwayne. And I just caught him on the side and said, do you have some time today? And he's like, well, how many days are you going to be here? I said, today, I got to go back to Cleveland. He's like, let's just, let's just knock it out. And we sat for 25 minutes. And that was when he told me last year wasn't fun. And that story got 800,000 hits on Bleacher Report. Um, and that was Dwayne just being generous with his time. By the time I landed, that thing had blown up. And again, that was Dwayne's sort of understanding that it would be helpful to me. And then, you know, the first radio show before you, you came in there when I was with Israel and we were on 790 The Ticket and it was our first show. And so we asked, could Dwayne come on? And he was on his way to an event, called us from the car uh, to do 15 minutes with us because he wanted to be on our first show because he had had developed relationships with both of us. And then finally, when I had some personal issues and I didn't hear from some important people in my life, I ran into I saw Dwayne when he was here and here from with the Bulls for the first time. Um, and, you know, he had gotten wind that things were getting difficult for me. And about five or six days later, he sent me uh, a DM just to make sure that everything was cool and to share some of his own experience. And so that is the sort of thing. That is why this is difficult for me uh, to just look at this as basketball. It's, ne it's never been that way in terms of what he's symbolized. And the final thing here, Chris, is what he did, forget me, you know, what he did for this community after coming back with Parkland. And I, I don't think that you can ever really sort of fully encapsulate what that meant, that he was here at this time. He's the only athlete that would have had that kind of significance at that place, at that moment, after the shootings, that he was able to, you know, go up there that day. I got wind of it. And so I did send him a message. You know, I, I did send him a message that's that morning saying, hey, I heard you were going up there. I don't know if you want to publicize or not. I do think it's a cool thing that you're doing. And he sent a message. He didn't really answer the question about publicizing it. Uh, but he said, yeah, I just I just thought it needed to be done. Uh, hopefully it goes well or something to that effect. And he goes up there. And if you remember that day, the education secretary, Betsy DeVos, was up there. And if you watched what was going on on Twitter, the kids at that school were offended by her visit. They felt that she didn't take the time to listen to them. She was just there for a photo op. She did what government officials do, but she's a particularly 
virulent strain of government official. And she and she did not care about their concerns. And then Dwayne comes the same day and look at the photos of that. And if you want to know what Dwayne Wade has meant to this community, just look back at those. Look at the kids. Look at the kids in the cafeteria. Look at them lining up to take pictures of them. Look at the smiles on their faces. Look at his engagement. Look at him sitting down with them at a table and hearing about their concerns. Look, Dwayne has gotten banged on at times for sort of getting involved sometimes in causes that he's not fully into. He was fully into that. He believed in that. And then you look at what he did this past week, you know, at the Gay Pride Festival and, you know, how engaged he was in that and to put something on social media. And he just is he's a credit to the community um, in a way that I don't know that any other athlete could could sort of match here. We've had look, Alonzo Mourning has done amazing work in this market. Dan Marino has done amazing work in this market. A lot of other athletes have done incredible stuff. But to me, it's Dwayne's ability to connect, to feel less than larger than life at the same time as he is that separates him from everybody else. And the other thing that separates him, Chris, is he wasn't perfect. He fall down seven times, get up eight. And the fact that his career has had these ebbs and flows, these arcs, the leaving, the 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 struggles during the big three era, the picture that I always remember that's sitting right here in my office that I took right afterwards was him on after everybody else was gone out on the court doing snow angels okay in in red confetti and basically flower confetti in the middle of the floor that joy that release of everything that he had had to fight through to get to that point was he elite anymore maybe not maybe not at that stage okay maybe you know the fact that greg popovich decided to guard him with the center okay in a game that he ended up scoring 32 points is indicative of that but he gave what he had to that group to that team, to the city. And so some of it has felt contrived. Some of it has felt staged. It happens. He's got marketing people and all the rest of that. But at his core, Dwayne Wade has gone from a shy kid to somebody who had a little bit of arrogance during the Shaq era to somebody who I think has been humbled, but also knows who he is, knows how important he is, knows what he means to this city. And to me, that is why this is worth celebrating. We'll get back to our episode here in a second, but first I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while? Call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, one 800 264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644 or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd, I, they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car, fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now moves it all. Agreed. And and that, w- that was perfectly put. And I, I do want to hit a, a little bit further on that point that you mentioned where it is that combination of 
being a larger-than-life figure. I mean, you know, we had uh, Bob Metellus on the podcast talking about what it was like to go with him to China, what it was like to go with him to Australia. Australia stunned me. Like, wait, they're so into the NBA that, you know, he, he you know, said he was going to do a tweet-up in 2011, and, you know, tons of people flooded a mall uh, to, to go and find him, and, and just an international celebrity, and, and only highlighted by the fact that he then uh, married a Hollywood celebrity uh, to only sort of further that status, and yet has that ability to connect on an interpersonal level like with the Parkland thing. Um, and I think that, that ability to connect in that personal thing is where um, I, I'll insert my obviously far less significant uh, opinion and thought on this. Um, and I've, I've been kind of criticized. I remember when we were doing radio uh, during that 2016 year where they went to the second round, and I was kind of at that point branded the Dwayne Wade hater because um, I was saying uh, when – you need a three-point shot at the end of the game that you shouldn't turn to Dwayne Wade because he's a 17% three-point shooter. And that I still viewed him through an analytical lens. And I, I had kind of taken the advice of a lot of people, and maybe I have to rethink this, or maybe in my role in the media, it, it, it sort of serves me right. But I think the last, the, the latter half of the last decade was to me the you root for laundry era, which is a, a phrase that Jerry Seinfeld uh, coined, which is, you know, I don't know if I have an emotional connection to these players, nor should I based off of the player movement. And I think uh, the decision is kind of a turning point in, you know, if LeBron James is not going to stay in Cleveland, then no one is really liable to stay anywhere. And I think it, it's almost transitioned towards in this decade, be accepting, be welcoming of the business interests of players. And that if they want to go somewhere else, that's okay. And that you should accept this as sort of part of the business that they're looking out for themselves. And you should appreciate that, particularly in the, in the transaction phase of where you are more like labor than you are like management in your daily life. And I heeded that advice. And so I think, and and part of that was listening to Lebetard's show a lot, where where he would where he would say that, and you know you should be sympathetic towards labor, and they don't know you anything, and that is correct. But at the same time, it does sort of lessen that ability to really connect on an emotional level, like the Parkland thing can. There is value to a player staying in one city for the entire duration of his career, because Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas can do so many things beyond what any Dallas Cowboy, you know, what even a player like Tony Romo, right, who, you know, is the the Cowboys quarterback for a while, but because other things happened, it wasn't quite the same. And so that figure of being there the whole time and having that emotional connection is so important for so many people. And yet for me, it never really happened. And I've I've been trying to figure out for the last few months why. Um, and I really, I, I've come up with this, which is that I've always, you know, I was, I've, I've been a massive sports fan my entire life and I've, I, I love the analysis of it. I love the talk. I loved ESPN as a kid uh, and I love listening to Lebetard show, even as a teenager and reading you and like, I would go to my barbershop and you know, the sun Sentinel would be there and I'd read it, you know, cover to cover while waiting for a haircut. Like I've been a dork about this for a while, but that dork or two didn't really lead me towards emotionally connecting with the players it led me towards trying to figure out the best way to analyze it which is at least in part why I now do this and I think the casualty of that and the casualty of you know think of your team as laundry don't get emotionally connected to the players if you actually heed that advice is that you don't and you miss out on so much you miss out on what a player can mean to a community and to a group of people because it is undeniable as as you just said with that Parkland thing kids in that school 
Watch Dwayne Wade win championships on a basketball team. In the grand scheme of things, particularly in comparison to what they were dealing with, that's not any kind of important. But at the same time, because of their emotion that they devoted towards those big three teams and they devoted towards Dwayne Wade being a figure in this market, that meant something to them. And so I do think it, mine is a cautionary tale in some ways of, you know what, if you want to really live and die with the movement of basketball players, you're going to get some emotional joy out of it. It's going to present some value. Now, on the reverse end, don't burn people's jerseys. That's not a nice thing to do. But at the same time, you can invest on that level and really believe that a player is representing you even in something. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So stupid is playing basketball. So that's what I've been kind of taking from it. And it has made me, you know, I think a couple of things from the sea season have made me sort of reconsider the way that, that I viewed sports. And I think this is one of them. And the other um, was Justice Winslow's comments about mental health and how criticism particularly got to him. But uh, th that's not something we'll discuss here. But I, I do think it made me reconsider a lot of what I feel towards sports, which is really not a lot of anything except for I root for the players that help my team win because I like the joy of my team winning. But I, that other that, that stuff on the periphery, like when, when Dwayne Wade leaves, I'm not as crestfallen, but maybe that's a bad thing. I, I, I don't know if that made any sense, but, uh, but I, th that's kind of how I process this thing. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E-calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. And, and I understand that. And I'm not typically emotional about these things anymore either. I mean, I, you know, have fallen out of love with two sports that were my two primary sports when I was growing up, which was baseball and hockey. I mean, I grew up in Long Island and I played Stratomatic and APBA. And I mean, I was a baseball junkie. I knew the stats of every player 
on every team. I mean, now I, I couldn't name more than four on most teams. And that's just what's happened over the years. I don't sit through entire baseball games anymore unless I'm out there covering them. You know, hockey, obviously, you know, the fact that the team hasn't been very good here and it, there's not the interest level that there was when I was in Long Island has dampened that for me quite a bit. And so I've turned to the two sports that people here care the most about, which are basketball and football. Football, I never really had any allegiance to. When I was a kid, I rooted for the Jets and the Giants because I was in New York and had a Ken O'Brien jersey. I know that I don't like to admit that. I had a John Starks jersey too, by the way. Um, and I think that's still in a closet somewhere. <laughs> But, 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 you know, I, the O'Brien Jersey was because I, you know, I was trying to convince people he was better than Marino. That was that, among my worst arguments, uh, you know, cu coming out of the gate, but, but look, I, it's, uh, you know, so my emotional attachment to sports is not there anymore. I mean, we're taping this right now. I don't know if I'm going to watch the national championship or game or not. I might just for the curiosity of it, but I don't really care that much. Uh, if Virginia wins, if Texas tech wins, I don't watch ESPN anymore. Part of that is because the way that it's changed. Okay. But unless it's honestly, unless, you know, I catch uh, Dan's show on TV, I'm probably not staying with it. So I don't have that emotional attachment. I think I have an emotional attachment here because again, Dwayne transcended basketball for so many people. And, and because he really covered, you know, my professional life uh, down here to large degree, you know, 2003 to 2019 and all the changes that I underwent. And, and there was still Dwayne. I mean, I, I, you know, I tweeted this the other night, I was at my 25 year college reunion this past weekend. And I remembered that at my 10-year college reunion, I was trying to find the Heat game on a television. You couldn't just stream it those days, which is what I ended up doing the other night for my hotel room. So I was trying to find it. I went to Charles Village Pub and, you know, in Charles Village in Baltimore to watch, you know, this is, you know, I had my friends there, 10-year reunion, and there I am trying to watch Dwayne play, I think it was game five against the Hornets of that first round series. I mean, and then 15 years later, I mean, none of us have hair anymore. Like we're all back. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Dwayne has more hair suddenly than he had recently, which I don't know how the hell that happened, but, and we're trying to find, you know, a 25 years suggesting I, chicanery with his hair. Well, it could be um, tw 20, 20, you know, our 25 year reunion. And, and I'm again, you know, the night before, you know, we actually, most of us got together on Saturday, but on Friday night, I was trying to find the game. I mean, that's just, you know, that that's how long this has gone. Um, and and I think, again, I think what makes him so human to people here is that it was not a straight line. It was not a straight line. LeBron has been over his career pretty much a straight line. Like, obviously, there's a dip this season. He still averaged like 27, 7 and 7. But for Dwayne, you know, it was not perfect. OK, it was he was a superstar in his third season. OK, maybe in his second season. season, in his second season. Right. So and then, you know, he has the greatest finals performance that I've ever seen. One of the greatest of all time. Man, I got to see all six games up close. OK. And I got to be in the in the visiting locker room in Dallas. And when, you know, Jason Williams is spraying, everybody's screaming, I'm not a cancer. And Alonzo Mourning was speaking at the podium for 25 minutes to answer one question. And, you know, Shaq was Shaq and Dwayne was Dwayne and Antoine Walker was starting his drinking and, you know, all the rest of this stuff. And, and, you know, so I experienced all that and then, you know, and then it wasn't great for a while, like, you know, 2006, 2007, they bombed out of the playoffs, got swept 2007, 2008, he gets shut down. Even Udonis got shut down. They win 15 games. And then he carries a, a middling team. His second best player for most of that offensively was, was Beasley. His second best player on the team was probably Haslam or Jermaine. I guess Sean Marion for a small period of time was not a great team. And then he basically cries out for help, which was understandable in 2010 
or else he was looking at an Iverson type career, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, where, you know, he kind of has one flash of glory. Now, Allen didn't win, but Allen, Allen got there once and then ran into a much better Laker team, but does have the one game and the one moment with Ty Lue. But I think we were looking at that kind of singular greatness type situation where Dwayne was just going to be sort of stuck for the rest of his career on a team that was okay, but not great. And then he brings in the other guys. And then, like I said, then he moves aside. He moves aside. He gave up his town. And, like, and, and, this, and this is something I wanted to hit on with you. And I, I've been thinking about this too a lot, which is I think that Dwayne Wade is the lost best player on a championship team in NBA history. Now, he was the best player on a championship team uh, in, in 06 and won a championship. But that was his third season in the league. That season, he averaged 27 points a game, nearly a block per game, seven assists, six rebounds, and shot 49.5% from the floor. This was a damn good, one of the five best players. And Bill Simmons has been doing a thing on his podcast recently, which is reading back some of his old columns. And one of the th- and he wrote in 07, uh, after, or 06 or 07 after that championship, I can't wait to see what this era of Wade leading a team, Carmelo leading a team, and LeBron leading a team is going to look like. And it kind of got me to thinking, well, Dwayne never really got to have that follow-up act because, as you mentioned, those four years in between uh, were not any good. The the, the title defense year was an abomination. Uh, And then you have the 15-win season and then the two middling seasons. He never got paired with the complimentary star, Lee Pau Gasol, to latter-end Kobe Bryant. Even, hell, if it was... like, Like, honestly, I would love for the thought experiment of... If, if no LeBron, it was just Wade and Bosch and some and some filler. What that team in the East would have looked like, because we never really got to see what Dwayne Wade leading a championship caliber team again after 06 um, and going against LeBron in the East would have looked like. And that's why some people were disappointed that they joined together because that was supposed to kind of be the rivalry of the next 10 years. And it never happened. Is that is that just sort of a matter of, of happenstance or, or, or do you think that maybe this is something that when we look back on Dwayne Wade's career, it's going to be why, why wasn't he ever the best player on a championship contending team ever again after 06? Well, I, I, I think that, look, first thing, uh, it's it's really hard, right? Like, sure. I mean, you know, very few players have won uh, multiple championships as the best player. And I mean, in this era, I mean, post-Jordan, you're really talking about Shaq. It's even it's hard to say even Kobe. I mean, Kobe won. He wasn't the best player on the first three. Shaq was. And then he was the best player on the last two, but he wasn't the best in the finals. Uh, Gasol was actually. Others were. I mean, people forget that. But yeah, I mean, Kobe was the lead guy. But other than that, I mean, look, KG didn't do it twice. Um, Dirk didn't do it twice. Duncan did it twice. It's not even about winning the championship. For me, it's about like being one of the contenders in the East. He never even got to that level again. Again, we're talking about a player who put in one of the all-time great finals performances in year three of his career and never even was the lead guy on a contender ever again. And obviously, being second lead is no insult, but like you look at, for example, the team that right now exists around Giannis, right? They might not win the championship, but they're going to win the team that exists around Kawhi Leonard, the team that exists around Nikola Jokic and Damian Lillard that are top seeds in the Western Conference, that that just never happened for him. It, it It is a bit weird because you would have said after the 06 season, this guy is on his way to being one of the three best players in the league every year for the next 10 years and is going to have his own team and is going to dominate one half of the league. And that just never happened. And I'm, I'm surprised that it didn't. Well, I think you have to look again, circumstances. Sure. He was with an old team in, in 05, 06. I mean, mm-hmm. not, in all, I mean, I would say a cranky team, right? So once Shaq began to break and didn't want to be here anymore, 
and you had Walker, you had Posey. You, I mean, you didn't have you had Jason Williams. I mean, it was not a team that was built for long-term success. It, it was, it was basically Pat took saw and took a shortcut, which again, I didn't like at the time, but he was right. And they won. And so, but th that team was never built personality wise. Like just, <laughs> it was not built to last. I mean, it, it, it barely made it to where it got, like it should have broken. Okay. I mean, basically they broke Stan and then, you know, when Pat came in and then they were still screaming at each other, you know, Gary Payton and, and Dwayne were screaming at each other in game four up in Chicago when it went to two, two in the first round. Okay. Like it, it was, uh, that was not built for success long-term and then, you know, falls apart the next year and then totally bottoms out. And then they bottomed out to get Derek Rose basically. Mm -hmm. And they didn't get him. And I guess they could have had Westbrook. I mean, if they get Westbrook, does it change? Um, you know, do you end up in a situation where Dwayne's playing with Westbrook at a high, high level for the next, you know, five, six, seven years, possibly, but also, you know, Dwayne began to break. Also his knees were not what they were before. If you go back to that first playoff run with LeBron in 2010, 2011, Dwayne didn't play well against Chicago. But if you look at the totality of the playoffs, including the first round series and the series against Dallas, he was the best player on the team during the postseason. I, I, you know, just look statistically at it. And again, what he did in the 2011 finals. So he was still elite, but it started to crack a little bit. Um, there was a run in 2012, 2013, the 27 game winning streak, where I believe he played 25 of the 27 games during the streak. I think Mike Miller filled in for him the other two games. But Dwayne's numbers during the streak were tremendous. Like he was Dwayne again. And that was pretty much the last time he was Dwayne, like that Dwayne. Okay, was that because he never really was the next year. He was in and out of the lineup. He was being replaced by Tony Douglas. And then, you know, the year after was adjusting to life without LeBron. Didn't go particularly well. Then Bosch gets sick. Um, so they started to build some chemistry. But even in 2015-16, I covered that team. And Dwayne was not supposed to be the best player on that team. That team was built around Bosch. That, the plan there was we're going to play through Chris. And then Chris got sick. And then it was, okay, we're going to put Luel Dang at the four, and, oh, we've got this white side guy, and, okay, Dwayne is back on you again. And that's kind of what happened there. And then you remember the series against Charlotte and Purple Shirt Guy and getting to the second, you know, second round, but that was as far as that thing was going to go uh, without Bosch and then with Whiteside getting hurt in that series also. So I just think it's circumstantial. I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I think you have to have a lot of luck, uh, and, and I don't think they had it. They also were not in position to draft high, to bring in the next star. Pat doesn't believe in the draft. They didn't bring in any premium free agents when Dwayne was the best player on the team. They, you know, they did the Sean Marion thing. He wasn't what he was before. They brought in Jermaine O'Neal. He wasn't what he was before. So, I mean, who was he playing with, right? Until, until they got LeBron and Bosch. And then when they got LeBron and Bosch, Dwayne was smart enough to realize, okay, LeBron's really good. And I'm going to, we're going to let him be the star, but it didn't happen right away. And it didn't happen in that locker room right away. And like I said, Dwayne was kind of the guy that made the clocks, made the trains run on time because with LeBron, that doesn't always happen. And Dwayne didn't have the LeBron entourage. Now Dwayne has an entourage. Okay. But you kind of know all of them. Like Lisa Joseph, we, we just talked to her, you know, her husband on here. I mean, we've known Lisa since the mid 90s, like late 90s. She was there with Zoe, uh, you know, the rest of the crew. I mean, they're not particularly high maintenance. Uh, LeBron's crew was a little bit more high maintenance. And so I just think there's a comfort level with the organization with Dwayne. And that's why I think that what happened in 15 and 16 in the summers was so distressing because Dwayne hadn't really made himself a problem consistently for them. 
And yet, and that's one of the reasons he felt like he should have been not rewarded for that, but appreciated for that. And I don't think that he was. And I, I think, you know, for 15, they worked it out when Pat and Henry got out of the room and Mickey and, and Nick made the deal and they gave him the one year, 20 million. The next year, you know, basically when they decided, you know, that they were going to, you know, uh, they were going to pursue Whiteside first and they were going to go after Durant. And, and Dwayne's, you know, overseas and kind of stuck in the middle. And I've, I'll come clean on this now. You know, I was communicating with Dwayne regularly during that. OK, like late into the night. OK, on stuff. You know, you don't give away your sources at the time, but who cares now? Right. So, <laughs> so, I, so I mean, right. And, and look, there was somebody else who I think was communicating with the other side of it. All right. I, I, we'll just leave that there. And so, you know, I kind of knew what was going on, but I didn't just take his word for it. I checked some stuff out and it just seemed to me like there was not the urgency there that there needed to be in the organization to recognize what it was they could be losing. And what they were potentially losing is what we have Tuesday night, that, that moment, not, not just the past two, three years, but that moment, like him being here. And they got really freaking lucky, really lucky mm -hmm. that things didn't work out in Cleveland because being in Cleveland sucks, right? <laughs> and when you're not winning and they weren't winning big that year and he wasn't really fitting with a lot of the young players. And there were cross currents because David Griffin was out and Kobe Altman was in and, you know, and Ty Lue was on the spot and everything else that was going on there. And Dwayne had a good stretch in Cleveland. He had one stretch on the bench. that was pretty good, but he wasn't deemed essential. I know Kobe Altman personally. I got to know him a little bit the year I was in Cleveland. I really like Kobe Altman. And Kobe Altman strikes me as the type of guy who would recognize that Dwayne belongs somewhere else. And if it wasn't going to hurt his basketball team, then why not make it happen? And I know Andy Ellisberg, and I like Andy Ellisberg, and I believe Andy Ellisberg is the type of person who would recognize that when Kobe Altman made that offer, it made sense to bring it to Spo and Pat and see if it's something they wanted to do because, you know, the, Dwayne belonged here. And Dwayne does belong here, and this is how this should end. Well, it should end with a statue, and I think he'll get one, uh, but this is how this should end. Now, it should have ended in the playoffs, but that ain't his fault, okay? That's for and, damn sure. All right. He gave what he could this year. They used him as a marketing tool. More power to them. They had to. They needed something. Uh, but the, everybody else didn't take care of their jobs this year, most of the people. And so we, this is not ending as it should. But in some ways, it's better. Because if they play Milwaukee, they're going to get destroyed, okay? Right. And it's, it may look a little like 62-7. It might. <laughs> That's it, a good point. No and dirt. And is that what we want for Dwayne walking off the floor in Milwaukee, getting swept in a game four? There's some symmetry there. You know, the Bucks played the heat as a, as a one eight matchup the other way in 2014, last year, the big three era. And I, the Bucks were so outmanned that Dwayne didn't play the fourth game. From what I recall, I think Mike Miller filled in for him. That's right. He didn't even need to play it. I mean, they knew they were sweeping him. And so the opposite probably would have occurred this time. Milwaukee's just much better than them. And so Dwayne's going to end up getting swept off the floor in the town he played college. I don't know. Maybe this is for the best. You know, maybe this is for the best. And, yeah. and so I, it's, it's, you know, but they're going to have to move on. And I think that's what we need to hit here. They, they need to move on from him now. Like they, yeah. they got him back. They patched some things up. They did the Bosch jersey retirement. They did the Shaq jersey retirement. Things are better in that regard. Everything's okay with Dwayne. I don't think it'll ever be as perfect as it was, um, but it was good to see Riley hugging him and everything else at that dinner that they had up in Charlotte. Um, obviously, you know, that, that Gabby's, you know, you know, in the family there, Zaire may play, who knows, Zaire may play at UM, that would be nice, I know that's something Dwayne has indicated that he would like, 
And so he's going to, you know, he'll probably spend a lot of time in Los Angeles. I'm sure he'll probably still keep a place in Chicago. Uh, if he still has, I think he still has one up there. Uh, but but he's going to be here a lot. He'll be part of the community in the same way Zoe is part of the community. And that's how it should be. And I don't know if that would have been the case if he finished his career in L.A. or Cleveland. And, and that's why in what it, to me is a melancholy, disappointing, frustrating, irritating season that they've had. This is the good part. And we should enjoy it. You're listening to the Five Reason Sports Network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today, we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, FiveReasonSports.com. On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heat Beat and Balls Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're by Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the Five Reason Sports Network. Go to FiveReasonSports.com today. Now, uh, before we go, and, and I, I do think that uh, once the season ends, we got to do a uh, moving on from Dwayne podcast and, and kind of what happens next year for the Heat. I don't think that's going to be easy, but uh, just because it's the thing that I think a lot of people are going to be uh, you know, watching YouTube videos and, and, and remembering the good times, uh, what for you is uh, the moment that best represents the good times with Dwayne Wade, the, the moment that maybe tomorrow you'll pull up on YouTube and remember fondly? Uh, there's so many, and I, you know, I tried to cover them all in a column I wrote for the Herald when I thought he was gone in 2016, when I thought he was gone for good. And uh, there, there are so many of them. Um, you know, but the moment that I remember, and I've mentioned this before, but the, the moment I remember has nothing to do with anything on the court because it, it demonstrated his vulnerability. And that was, you know, he had a really good game in Brooklyn in 16. Um, I think it was February and March of 16. And he'd gone through a struggle. He had not played particularly well for a couple of weeks. And we're in the locker room and I was doing some interviews. And Dwayne was, as he tends to be in Brooklyn, which is going to happen on the last night, he was heartily cheered in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, in that arena, a lot of arenas, Atlanta's another one, DC's another one. A lot of arenas around the league where for Dwayne, it was always a home game. Brooklyn was tend to be one of those. And I was talking to Bosch about it. I was talking to Dwayne about it in the group. And then I was kind of ready to go. I was on a bit of a deadline because I was working at the Herald at the time. They still have those stupid newspaper deadlines. And so I was, I was waiting around, and then Dwayne just calls me over and goes, E. I guess what? He says, look at this. And he pulls out his phone, and he goes, take a look at this. I said, who's these from? He says, Zaire. And I said, okay, what's that? He goes, he, goes, he texted me the night before the game and then after. And he showed me the text. I said, you, I said do you mind if I use these? Because I wasn't going to post anywhere. He says, no, no, you can use them. It's fine. So I said, I'll take a picture of them. And I didn't really even look at them. So I got back to the press room because I was going to put him on Instagram because uh, he had given me approval to do it. And I thought maybe I'd write up a short story on it. And basically the, the texts were Zaire telling him he was still good, that he was still Dwayne Wade, that just do your thing. Don't worry about anybody else. Can I, Shut can up. I, can I read them? Read them. I, I, I found them on. And I feel like instead of you watching YouTube video, I'm just going to send you a link to your own story. But uh, here they are uh, from, from your piece in 2016. Uh, hey, man, you won't get this message until after the game. Uh, but I want to say something. These last few away games I've been watching 
watching to see if I can help you with anything. In the game you struggled, of course, you shot bad from the field. The games you played good, you got to the bucket. Last night versus the Bulls, I thought was your best game of the season when you were attacking the rim that causes defense defenses to suck in and opens up uh, and ones for you. Wide open trades for your teammates, ETC. All I'm saying is, Stay on attack mode, big dog. When you attack, they will play you with a little extra room, so that's when you use that killer instinct and shoot your mid-range. And stop being so hard on yourself. Most important, play for a passion. It seems you're playing like someone is making you. Now go out there and play like it's your last game of the season and give it your all and trust your teammates. That's really cool. I think he had 27 that night, from what I recall. Um, he, he I have had, to look up his game logs. How much research do you want me to do here? Uh, do a little more. <laughs> I, th- I, I think I think so. it was it was I believe it was mid mid to mid to high. It was it was uh, it was late January, so it was uh, January 26th is the dateline on the story. So I'm I'm, I'm going to try and look it up here. January 26th at Brooklyn, Dwayne Wade went 11 for 22. Uh, had 27 points um, <laughs> on, wow, you remember that exactly. Ada says, this is in a run of great games for him as well. Uh, he had had a two-point effort against Milwaukee on January the 19th of that year, then a DNP uh, on the 20th, and then came back after that break with games of 22, 28, and 27, including that night uh, in Brooklyn. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I would imagine that period uh, was not great for him, but, I mean, it's really cool. So, so you're saying that vulnerability from him uh, is his son still being able to motivate him in a way that had real impact for a player that had won three championships. Yeah. I mean, somebody who had done everything that he had done and and still needed that kind of reinsurance and could get it in that way and convert it in that way. And, and just, just the fact that he needed it. And I think that shows you like the greatest athletes need that. I mean, LeBron needs it. Shaq needs it. I've had interactions with them that indicated, and I don't think fans recognize that. I don't think they understand. Like they think, Oh, he's Dwayne Wade. Like he'll just figure it out. It was not easy for Dwayne Wade to figure a lot of things out. I mean, Dwayne Wade was washed in 2013, 14. Remember that he was washed. Like that was the word Wade washed. That was the hashtag. I mean, he saw those hashtags. He knew what they were. Okay. He didn't even like the phrase I used to call, you know, we, I used to use vintage Wade and he didn't like it because it indicated he was old. He didn't like that. It indicated that he was no longer the player that he was. Right. So, you know, so a a combination of pride and insecurity, right? Like both at the same time. And for somebody like that to have that, you're talking about that was 10 years that when, when his son sent him those texts, that was roughly 10 years after he had one of the greatest finals performances in history. And he needed his son to tell him, be on attack mode. You can still do this. Shut out the noise. Play your game be Dwayne Wade. I mean, that that to me is everything about him. It's everything because he has done some things that haven't worked. He had a failed restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. He had some bad press around that time, right? He There have been things, okay? He had a very messy public divorce, okay? I mean, he did. And, you know, I mean, look, I can speak to personal problems are not easy to deal with publicly, okay? Like he had, okay? And, and yet, um, you know, he kept coming back, right? He kept coming back. And it's his resilience. You know, Alonzo Mourning wrote a book called Resilience, and Zoe embodies that. But Dwayne does, too. That, that's what those commercials were about early in his career. And you think about them now, the T-Mobile commercials with Barkley, of all people. Think about that. With Barkley, yeah, of all funny. people. All the battles he had with Barkley over the years. Um, the lack of respect that sometimes was shown to him by, I believe, the national media and some other players. 
you know, at, at times. Okay, the the hatred that cities like Boston and Dallas had for him. All of this has come full circle in a way that is really, really unusual. It is, it is the as I wrote in that column in you know that my last column for the Herald actually in '16 and, and when he left for Chicago, it's the greatest sports story South Florida has ever told. Um, it, it, it by far, there's nothing close. There's nothing close. You know, Dan, again, Dan is Dan. Uh, and I mean Marino, not Levitard, or the Levitard will think I'm talking about him. Uh, Dan is Dan, but but not in a touch-the-people type sense like like Dwayne. Has done a remarkable job for the community, but it, it's not it's not Dwayne, the connection with the younger uh, crowd. And and so it is unique, um, and it, it should be honored. And and it's gonna be it's gonna be a little lonely around the arena next year because you got a taste of it again. And now it's going to be gone again. And I don't know how they replace it. And you're right. That is a separate podcast on, on how they deal with that. Um, they kind of lucked into 30 and 11 the last time around. And so it built a little bit of momentum. But if you go back to the first half of that season without Dwayne, that was a tough place to be that arena when they were 11 and 30, you know, trying to replace Dwayne with Tyler Johnson, and Deion Waiters. Like that was tough. Um, I don't know how they do it next season. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com.